Hello, <laughs> and welcome back to the Marvelous Cinema Podcast. I am your ho- one of your co-hosts, Matthew. Um, I'm one of your other co-hosts, Henry Murray. Uh, and this week, we're doing some, some crazy theories. Yeah, yeah. Once again, we're talking about movies. What a surprise. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. So this today we're going for like different like fan theories and different just horrible and some good theories. Um, so, yeah, just just some that some that are proved wrong. Yeah. Some that are just weird. <laughs> Cause like I feel like fan theories are always really fun to go through, like as like late night really bored reading. But you know, <laughs> other than that, they don't ever stand up. And mm. most of these are like Oh, but the person's really dead. <laughs> yeah, I like... found I found a lot for like um for Star Wars and Marvel mm. where they were either this person's not really dead. Yeah. Or this person was a villain all along. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot there's a lot of scrolls now, isn't there? <laughs> God. I'm not looking forward to all everyone being a scroll in the MCU. I really am. I'm not <laughs> looking forward to that. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you want I, to start? I, I, I can do, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, where, where, do we, where, where do we start? <laughs> There's so many shams. So I've... When I was searching for them, mm-hmm. I tried to avoid ones that were... I try, I, first of all, I tried to avoid Disney ones. Okay, right. Because generally, all the animated stuff, people tend to know, they know that everything's sort of connected, that sort of thing. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Obviously, there are some interesting ones. Mm-hmm. I just, it's sort of a rule when I was searching. And I have come across one which I think might be famous. Oh? But I'm, I've never heard it before. Okay. Um, and that is a theory that is affectionately known as the Breaking Dead theory. <laughs> okay, I'm confused already, but yeah, let's go. And the theory is that Breaking Bad uh-huh. is a prequel to The Walking Dead. Really? Yeah. So, but why? <laughs> Not only that, the theory is that the events of Breaking Bad yeah. cause the apocalypse. What, the drug dealing causes the apocalypse? Yeah. Um, um, that's a big leap in it. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> is would you any... like to hear more? I would love to hear more, actually. Yeah. So, have you seen either of the TV shows? I've seen Breaking Bad, the entire thing. I haven't seen one thing of Walking Dead. Okay, so you're the same as me. I haven't mm-hmm. watched Walking Dead, but I've seen all of Breaking Bad. Right. Okay. So, as people know, uh, Walter White becomes a drug dealer. Right. And the whole the whole thing about it is that his crystal meth is 100% pure. Oh, no. Yours is gone. <laughs> Very pure. Yeah. And that, that's what created the fact that it's blue. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first thing appears, first major thing appears in season two of The Walking Dead. <laughs> okay. Where Daryl, who I think's the guy with the crossbow. Oh, yeah, him. I know, yeah. His brother says he scored some drugs. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they specify that it's crystal meth. <laughs> right. And then when they show the drugs later, it is blue. Oh, okay, okay. And then they also, the, the, when they describe the dealer, the description matches Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> okay, okay. So That's it been... not it. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so we also have, if you remember, I, I can't. I think it's season four of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter buys Walter Junior a car. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> buys him a, a, a red muscle car. Yeah. And a character in Walking Dead called Glenn. Right. I, I think he's the one that gets his head beaten in. I think, he, yeah, I remember that very well. <laughs> he turns up or has something to do with a car that is identical to that one. Mm. Now, that this is one of them ties which I would normally just dismiss as, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's just by chance, isn't it? <laughs> but also, oh. when, uh, when Walt sells the car, because Skylar tells him to, mm-hmm. he sells it to... Glenn's Motors. Oh, really? He sells it to Glenn's car lot, sorry. That's actually really cool. <laughs> Which, you know, makes it a bit... Yeah. A bit a bit stronger. And then also, mm-hmm. in Fear the Walking Dead, oh, okay. which is definitely a prequel to The Walking Dead, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they enter a market where the song Negro y Azul, the ballad of Heisenberg, is playing. <laughs> which is an in-universe song in Breaking Bad, which right. is about Walter White, basically. Yeah. So that that has led people to assume they are the same universe. So my confusion here is where does how does Breaking Bad cause Walking Dead? <laughs> well, the theory there is that smoking too much of the crystal meth. Weakens the immune system. The zombie <laughs> outbreak is, oh, makes god. them vulnerable to it. Oh god! Oh god! That's um, that's once again. There's going to be a lot of leaps this episode, isn't there? <laughs> oh yes. Oh wow. Um, I I kind of like that one because there is some actual evidence in, in a kind of way, like the car. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's definitely a a big leap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, are we going to say out of ten? What do we think out of 10 for that? Oh, I think like a strong eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a solid seven. Yeah. Because I, I feel like a lot of uh, fan theories are really fun to talk about. Um, but, and I feel like you t- if you think about them more than just fan theories and fun to talk about, you're going way too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like that one being something fun and being sort of strong and having evidence is like a good solid fun fan theory really mm-hmm. yeah because like i feel like fan theories are just they're not actual things <laughs> no, they're not they're just overactive imaginations yeah people yeah. lying in bed at night mm-hmm. <laughs> right you want to move on yeah yeah have you got have you got one you got your first one um okay so i've got one i think's kind of somewhat famous and i feel like there is some actual evidence towards it and I wouldn't mind it being true either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so The Dark Knight, a, a pretty big, everyone likes it film. Um, okay. Obviously, you'll joke a lot of different theories about where he came from because it's never really explained. Same as in the comics, really, it never really explained. So it's obviously, like there's been like 40 years of like just wondering where he came from. Um, and I feel like whenever you answer that question, it's always a bit boring. <laughs> and I never really, I never really care about if you got dropped in a vat of chemicals or he was a criminal or whatever but i do find like a hint towards it really cool so in the dark knight there's a big theory about how joker wasn't an ex-military like soldier Mm. 
Yeah, because he has a lot, a lot of like actual like army skills in a lot of ways. He can he could do like interrogations like really well. Because um, that that very famous interrogation scene is very much you think Batman's going to like just interrogate him and get under the Joker's skin, but the Joker in like two sentences gets under Batman's skin and just turns it on his heels and yeah. spores the Dark Knight's like in like biggest weaknesses. And that's like it just has a lot of evidence behind the idea that he would have some sort of training to do that so easily because he has like a very easy way of doing it. Um, also, he has he's obviously very good with weapons and like has that rifle in the the big like police parade part. Yeah, um, yeah, and like trucks. He has this one line that I think is the big the big evidence for it, which is the idea that he says that when everything goes part of the plan, no one really cares. Like if you if a truck full of soldiers gets blown up, no one no one cares. With a president or a, or a police chief gets murdered, everyone goes into a panic. And I think that idea—I don't think it necessarily is just like a—I don't think it's meant to be. I won't lie that I don't think it's meant to be evidence. I think Christopher Nolan just had that line in there as an example, and not really as a backstory. But mm. he does seem like annoyed at the idea that a truck full out of everything that he would be annoyed of, he seems like he's more annoyed that. A truck full of soldiers getting killed means much less everyone than the president or whoever getting killed. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I do feel like this one's quite a strong one and quite like a just a fun little kind of like oh that would make sense to kind of go towards the idea that the society <laughs> he he was in created him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I that's I've I have heard that one before. And I've always thought of that's something that as far as I'm sort of concerned now that is an explanation. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I um, I would, I do like it, but at the same time, I would never want Christopher Nolan to ever come out and say, "Yep, you're right," <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, well, you, you, there are those theories about Chris Nolan films. Oh yeah, Everything. and I think the whole the whole point is that there's no definitive answer, and if he was was to come out and say it, then it would remove a bit of the mystery. Yeah, and they, yeah, because I feel like some people take away um with ambiguity amb- uh, ambiguity in movies. I think people sometimes take away that the entire point is you figure it out instead of realizing that the ambiguity itself is the point. So um, I'm going to, I do have a theory coming up next, but uh, later on maybe, but um, about Inception and how the ambiguous ending of if, is he in dream or not? And um, mm-hmm. people came away from that movie thinking that you've got, to, you've got to work out yourself which one it is when the point wasn't working out. It's more the fact that, it didn't really matter if he was dreaming or if he was awake. He was with his exactly with his kids, and it didn't really matter anymore. And either way, he's gonna have he got the thing they wanted the most finally. Um, and I mean, it, yeah, again, it's fun to think about: is he dreaming or is he awake, or is the dark is the Joker an ex-military person? But it, it's not important to the story to, to exactly know what's happening in that case. No, it's not. It's very true. Yeah. Would John to do the Inception one now? I could do, yeah. Go on then, go on then. Since it's been teased, let's go for it. <laughs> okay, so in Inception, they they have this rule about a totem, um, and the totem is a is a, like a it's like an object that if you take into the dream and like you do something with it, if it doesn't or does do it, it can tell you if you're dreaming or not, and it's very helpful for the main character who is always kind of unsure of whether he's dreaming or not. Um, and his one is a his one is meant to be a, a to- like what do you call it? Um, a spinning, spinning top. Yeah, spinning top. There we go. Um, and in if it's in a dream, 
it doesn't fall over at any point, meaning he's still dreaming. And if it does fall over, as all spinning tops usually do, it means he's not dreaming, he's in the real world, he's fine. Um, and at the end, obviously, he spins the, tilt, the, the spinning top, and we don't see it fall over, but we don't see it necessarily not fall over. So It stutters, isn't it? Yeah, it stutters, but it doesn't fall over, but it cuts a black, and then the big, handsome, music, music happens. <laughs> <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt the yeah. big hands in that moi <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it happens every day in life isn't it um, but yeah but there's a theory around the idea that um, that spinning top is not actually his totem and not yeah. even yeah not even Cobb is aware of it um, I don't think anyway um, but this idea that his wedding ring is actually his totem because in, in every single time he's in the dream um, he's wearing a wedding ring when he's not in the dream, he is not wearing a wedding ring. And he's not wearing, apparently he's not wearing it at the end of the movie when he's meant to be either not or is dreaming. Which implies that he is awake, finally, like, actually living a, the life he wanted and he's awake. Um, but I always I always think it's a really, I do think this is a good theory. I do definitely think that. Um, but I do like the idea more that it was just a cool gimmick for, not a gimmick, but like an object of, Christopher Nolan to use to say that in in Cobb's dreams he's still married to his wife and there's still that relationship is still very much alive even though in real life that's long gone um, attention to detail yeah it's just attention to detail and I think it's going to be more symbolic than an answer to a question at the end of the movie but at the same time I do think it's a strong one of actual evidence and I do think it's it does work in a way of uh, answering the question if you want it to be answered mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, it's a good one. I do like yeah. that one. Ah, ten. Yeah, pro- <laughs> probably an eight, I guess. Yeah. I'd do an eight. <laughs> yeah. Again, I feel like a ten out of ten theory is like one. I can't really. I don't really know how to like write them because like a ten out of ten one is either it is a good theory that is also true, or is it a good theory that's definitely not true. That's, I can't, yeah, I don't know what's per, what's a perfect theory, okay. really. I'd, I would yeah. imagine it has to be like a, a balance between is it plausible and would you want it to be? Is it wacky enough or cool <laughs> enough? Yeah. Is Imaginative add, enough? Yeah. I think it's, for me, it's down to does it add meaning to the story or is it just there to be cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for that one, it, it adds meaning in, in a certain light. And, uh, I do like it, yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Should we move wow. on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should end the podcast with that. Yeah, it's our theme now. Blah. Blah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. What's yours? Oh, I've got another one. So this one, this emerged about a year ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's what can these sort of theories thrive from videos you stumble across on YouTube. And <laughs> I think this one, this one's probably. Yeah, it's, it's ultimate in that. It's from a YouTube video by a guy called Rhino Stew. I've never heard of this guy. Um, it's the YouTube video is now because I, I recently watched it, but we just watched it to make some notes before we did this. Yeah. Um, it's just shy of ten million views. Jesus, what? <laughs> I never it's, seen... it's quite big, and yeah. I'm sure you've heard this mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you, if not, you already know the theory. And it's that Snowpiercer is a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I have never heard this. Have you not? I'm not even remotely. 
Oh, you're, you're in for a treat. <laughs> you're in for a treat if you've not heard this before. I have seen Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka, so I hope I'll get it. <laughs> you the original Willy Wonka as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you've seen Snowpiercer, did you say? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, beautiful. It's okay. perfect. If, you have, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen Snowpiercer, go yeah. watch it and come back. Yeah, it's a great movie anyway, so... It is, on its own. But this, this theory... Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's start. Again, full credit to this Rhino Stew on YouTube. Check out the video if you want it fully explained. I've got most of the notes down here. Okay. And it's that... So both films are essentially about a journey through a structure <laughs> where members of the group are lost in each room. Okay. And one gets to the front to find out it's all been a test. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's the basis of the foundation. Yeah. Okay. I have several pages on this, if you can hear me <laughs> looking through them. Okay. <laughs> they both revolve around food, class, and destiny. They do. Yeah, that's true. So, Charlie, <laughs> from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. becomes Ed Harris's character, Wilford. Really? Oh, okay. 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 Charlie takes over from Wonka, who was a master of experimental transport and food. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was. In an isolated factory that exists independently. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he takes on the name Wilford, <laughs> homage to Willy Wonka. Yeah. And he even has a great big W emblazoned throughout the train. Okay. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh my god. Like like Willy Wonka had in the yeah. Film. That is great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He maintains a sense of imagination and decadence, like Wonka did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as part of the tactics for maintaining education and system in the train, he also uses shock and awe tactics. He does. Yeah. <laughs> murder. 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 Right. So in Snowpiercer, it's a post post apocalypse. Everything's gone wrong. They tried to use the gas to cool the planet to stop global warming. It backfires. Mm-hmm. I think we both know this. Yeah. Wilford, uh, the theory goes that Wilford knew this was going to happen. Right. So he built the train. And nobody noticed because it's just an eccentric thing that the, the protege of Willy Wonka would do. <laughs> yeah. But he also knew there'd be great moral costs and he went a bit crazy from the burden. Mm-hmm. So, and then he also borrows plans for Wonka to find a successor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's essentially just copied Willy Wonka, but in the apocalypse, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. Both films have the, uh, the mastermind behind it, so Wilford and Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. They both have a spy. Yeah. So Willy Wonka uses, I think they call him Slugworth. Yeah. So. To offer offer the children a prize if he steals from the Willy Wonka factory. Yeah. Only for Slugworth to be revealed as an employee. Yeah. In Snowpiercer, William Hurt's character, or Will Hurt? No, it's not, not not William Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt. Yeah. John Hurt. Yeah. John Hurt's character is also revealed to be a spy for Wilford. Mm, yeah. Okay. The theory also goes a step further to imply that. Um, uh, John Hurt's character is Slugworth. Right, right, okay. <laughs> He's actually came back for this job. Yeah, basically. 
also, mm-hmm. um, the, the theory also goes that various people that have high up positions on the train are the kids from Willy Wonka. <laughs> so he's higher them again. Yeah, as it's some a, sort of twist, twisted sense of forgiveness. Yeah, for and being mercy. horrible kids. This is mainly <laughs> supported by the idea that Tilda Swinton uh, preaches how grateful she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And theory goes that she is Veruca Salt. <laughs> right, that makes sense. So she's the woman. She's the worthy girl that wants the golden goose. Yeah. And she stands on a on the weighing thing, and it yeah. sends her down the shaft to the incinerator. And she, quote-unquote, dies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and that then she, he then employs her. Mm-hmm. And here we, and we sort of reach the, the, the last bit, which is probably the darkest part of this. Yeah. Uh, the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you can ask, naturally, if this is a sequel, where are they? Oh, yeah. So when uh, when Chris Evans' character reaches the front of the train, mm-hmm. Wilford explains that part of the en- certain components of the engine have gone extinct, and he oh. uses children to use them. Oh no! Oh so no! <laughs> what if the part that went extinct was the Umpa Lumpers? Oh no! <laughs> Because they operated all the machinery in Willy Wonka's factory. Yeah. So it would be natural that he would build the great machine to be operated by the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, it does make sense. It's annoying how much sense it makes. (laughs) As such, in my mind, this is officially canon. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I find find that fascinating, really. (laughs) Because it's it's a lot of evidence. (laughs) There is. There's a lot of there's a lot of thinking going to that. Yeah, and um, Willy Wonka as like a movie and this theory of Snorpius, I think even Willy Wonka by itself as a movie is very, very interestingly weird. It is. Like, he's definitely a murderer. And he's like, <laughs> like all, it's almost certain, like, this is one of the few like theories where I think it's definitely almost pretty much true that he's like, this is like one of the darkest movies ever made and it's just under the guise of a children's movie. Um <laughs> Yeah, and it makes sense for me for like the next step to be a Snowpiercer movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would I would probably consider mm-hmm. in my my little encyclopedic mind of film. Yeah. To me, um, Gene Gene Wilder, I think it's Gene Wilder. Yeah. Him as Willy Wonka for me is one of the greatest acting performances ever. Oh yeah, I agree. Definitely. I don't even particularly like the film. <laughs> I just think he is 15 yeah. out of 10. Yeah, he stands out. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about him compared to Johnny Depp? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, Johnny Depp doesn't compare. Ah. Uh, there isn't a comparison to be made. I'm sorry. To be fair, I do kind of agree. Yeah. <laughs> On that one. Oh, so that's that crazy theory done with. Yeah, I I uh I love that one a lot actually. <laughs> <laughs> How long is the video? The video is about 15 minutes. Oh, right, okay. I've pretty much covered everything in the video. I was expecting like an hour long. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that is, that is great. Like, I it love is, that. Yeah, I love the idea of someone, 
Because usually, I mean, I just said like a good few times in there that I, I hate the idea of someone saying a fan theory is true. Mm-hmm. But that one, I think that'll just be hilarious. <laughs> like, it makes sense. And I think it's a proper, it would work as a sequel to Willy Wonka because I think that movie's so dark. But like, <laughs> it no would. One, yeah. Work. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's a solid 10 out of 10. <laughs> it is. You can't deny it. It's a 10. Yeah. That's a 10 out of 10, man. Ah, have you got another one? Yeah. Um, let me just look through because there's, there's a lot here. <laughs> um, try to live up to that one. Uh, um, okay, I have one, and I think it's such a great one because it's so thin. It doesn't make any sense. We're going from a really good one to a really bad one. Okay, uh, we That's made. Uh, I'm just gonna say, um, X Men Origins Wolverine. That was a movie that was made. Um, <laughs> um, it's mostly very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's maybe the lowest rated one on like Rotten Tomatoes and reviews. I think it might be. Probably. Uh, but anyway, it's terrible. Um, but there's a, there's a theory that this movie is... because The reason it's so bad is because it's an in-universe anti-mutant film. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. I wonder what the evidence is. And I looked through the supposed evidence. And the only really thing that it really said was the movie's so bad so unbelievably bad that it was made by people in the universe to make people not like mutants. <laughs> <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> That's the only piece of evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, under this, under this theory, I believe that at any movie you see that it's bad, you can just say, oh, yeah, it was made in universe to make people not want to be that person. So, like, any bad film or any bad DC film, you're gonna say someone made it because they didn't like the character. I don't want everyone to not be it. Um, I love that theory so much. <laughs> it's a solid like two out of ten, but it's really funny to me. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I've really got for that one. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I had to follow that one up. You don't. You don't. I have another one-liner, which a one-liner. Right. It's actually been confirmed by the person that directed the film. Oh, really? Okay. Apparently, this is... The director has said this is implied in the film mm-hmm. and that it is official. All right. <laughs> the director is Ridley Scott. Okay. And the theory is... Wait, wait, you haven't seen Prometheus, have you? I have, recently, actually. Yeah. You have? Yeah. First time I watched it recently. The theory is... That Jesus was an engineer. Um, um, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's confirmed this? Apparently. Apparently, tweeted it or said in an interview or something that it was the intention to imply that, that the reason that the engineers hate humanity is because they sent Jesus and they, people killed Jesus. Okay. So, so. So hang on. So Jesus was an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like a big white, <laughs> whatever they are, alien things. Um, yeah. And then the story of the Bible happened, and he got crucified. Mm-hmm. And then Prometheus happened. <laughs> the movie. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's <laughs> it. That's, that's all I have. That's 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 the story. That's uh, that's incredible. I love that. <laughs> Because I feel like he's um he's made a film and he's went he's like made he made the engineers and that and then someone said oh it's Jesus and he went you know what 
Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, sounds good, yeah. That's great. Because like, the engineers, they they made humans, I think, was the implication there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I... Because it took me... Because I, I remember watching that film and I knew that was going to be more, more like intellectual or whatever than a normal alien film, I guess, in the sense that it was about philosophical things. Mm-hmm. But uh, it took me a while to realise that it was about them creating humans and then and then aliens came out of that because of androids or... And then and then now Jesus is there. <laughs> okay. God. <laughs> yeah. God. I quite like that one. That's a solid... Six. <laughs> six. Five or six. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that's given extra weight because of the director saying that. Yeah, it probably has. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like everyone... I feel like every movie with any sort of, like, sacrificial character has, like, a, oh, it's Jesus thing in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, any, anyone that makes a sacrifice and seemingly comes back from the dead. Mm. Um, Just... Aslan. Yeah. <laughs> Robocop. Yeah. Every everyone. Superman. Um, everyone. <laughs> I mean it does make sense, I guess. Jesus. He's a, he's in everything, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Well he, he's 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 the OG story. He is, yeah. The the best the, the OG book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna move on to a an X Men one once again. Okay. Uh, this one's a bit better, and by that I mean a lot better. Um, this one is um, it's more to do like the Wolverine movie and the Logan movie and how they're connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, they they are connected in the sense that they are the same character in the same world. But um, James Mangold directed the Wolverine and then he went on to direct Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like this connection is given a bit more weight by that choice because like it could make sense in my in my mind. Um, there's a character. I feel, I think her name is Yukiko. Yukiko. Um, yeah. And see, her power is to see if someone's going to die, she can see it coming, and she can't. The kind of curse of that power, she can't. She can't really stop it. Um, but at some point, I think in like near the third act, he said, she says to Wolverine that I see you dying, and you're you ha- you're dying with your heart in your hand. Yeah. Uh, and later on in the film, in the same film, we see that Wolverine has like some sort of robot thing attached to his heart that's making his healing factor slow down um so he cuts that out of his like heart essentially and he dies and then comes back to life and i think mm. in that simple like two-hour movie sort of thing it's meant to imply the ending of the movie more not, not really anything else mm. but jumping ahead to logan um where logan actually does die um mm. He has got like a tree stump impaled into him and he's definitely dying and it's his last words. And his his kind of clone, kind of actual daughter is there with him and they're having a big like an emotional scene and they're holding hands. And it, it's implying that he does die with his heart in his hand, but it's more like a, a metaphor, metaphorical, symbolic sort of daughter love sense. Um, yeah. Sort of. And I really like that one because... Oh. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's like that. It's like, oh, that yeah, that's cute. <laughs> it's, it's just one that sort of sends a bit, a bit of goosebumps down your spine. Yeah, it's, it's sort uh, of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, because um, like I do, I really like the idea that James Mangold, um, the director of both those films, for oh yeah, we did that thing in the last film. How about we just do it? Because we're going to kill him anyway, so why not just imply it anyway? <laughs> anyway, yeah. so 
I do like the idea that Eco was right and the power is still like on point with the idea that you can't do anything about them dying in the way that she sees them doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like that one. That's actually like heartwarming in a way. <laughs> it is. It's just, it gives them a bit of depth as well, doesn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, he did die with his heart in his hand, but it was a nice heart. <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got to say that one. Yeah. Yeah. I. Sure. Shall I do another one? Yeah, yeah. I've got one that was actually a pretty neat theory, mm-hmm. but was proved wrong within the opening five minutes of Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> okay, right. Now, I didn't realise this is apparently quite a popular theory. Mm-hmm. At the time, I kind of believe, I, I thought this was going to happen. Yeah. But I'd, I'll be honest, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, but I did do it on my own accord. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was proved to be wrong. Yeah. And that is that Heimdall mm. either was or had the Soul Stone. Okay. Why? <laughs> so basically, the base of the theory was, there's two parts to it. Mm-hmm. First of all, his eyes are the colour of the Soul Stone. Oh, yeah, they are like a yellowy glow, aren't they? And he can see everybody in the universe. Okay. He can see the souls, basically. Oh, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. And also, when Thor has the vision in, in, in Age of Ultron, yeah. Heimdall doesn't have any sight. Oh, so like... It, white. it was meant to imply that Thanos took the, the soul stone from mm-hmm. his eye. Yeah. That is... That would have worked. <laughs> it was. And it's, it's it ultimately... Um, it's sort of alluded to that he has some sort of special power or some sort of special thing that enables him to do the job that he does. Yeah, it's that... not just like an occupational thing because Scourge is given the the sword or whatever, and he can't do it. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, so it's more like he was born with it, not able. Yeah. <laughs> he's born with it. Um... And o- and also there is another thing. Mm-hmm. The items that hold the stones. Mm-hmm. Um, if if it was Heimdall, they yeah. would spell out Thanos. <laughs> would they? Oh, Ham- Heimdall. So, so T would be Tesseract. Right, okay. Space Stone. Yeah. H would be Heimdall for the Soul Stone. <laughs> okay, yeah. A would be the Ether mm-hmm. from the Reality Stone. Yeah. N, I've seen this on multiple places, but it's, it's the same stone, would either be Necklace or Nexus for the Time Stone. Okay, okay, okay. O would be the Orb for the Space Stone. Yeah, that makes sense. And S would be Scepter for the Mind Stone. Wow, that does work. Like, that That does work a lot. <laughs> but it, obviously, within the opening ten minutes of Infinity War... Yeah. No. Nope. ...and move on. <laughs> and the, the acronym doesn't work unless... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you use height for H because oh god you have oh, to throw fuck. somebody off a great height to acquire it <laughs> that, that is, that's pushing it a bit <laughs> yeah that would have been that would have been really cool actually I would have liked that one if that was true mm. I would I yeah I think this is a this is one of those cases of it would have been fun and cool but I do really enjoy what they do with the source dawn and making it a part of the theme of Infinity War Endgame like the the sacrificing of lives, in a sense, was the whole theme of those two movies. Um, 
So I think yeah, if, it was. if Handel was the source one, it would have been a bit... It would, have, it would have been cool, definitely. I do think it worked, but it wouldn't have had that thematic, I guess, sort of difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a case of it would have been cool, but there was a better option. Yeah. That's a solid. That would have had more weight. Yeah, that's, like a solid, that's a solid um, six or seven. Yeah. You know, it would have been cool, but not true. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not true. <laughs> no, yeah. it was. Have you got um, another one? Um, I got, a, like, I think I got a few Harry Potter ones. Um, okay. I came across one Harry Potter one, but I, I didn't write it down. Yeah. I've got one like really obvious sort of like everyone does it and everything kind of like he was always dead thing but um I've got another one that I do actually really like and you've seen it like enough Harry Potter to like know who the, the Durses are the the parents sort of people are I think so yeah yeah they're like they they look after um Harry when he's not at Hogwarts and they're very mean. oh yeah. yeah yeah I know who they are um yeah so it's a theory in Harry Potter that the Dursleys are because do, the Dursleys are horrible to Harry the entire time. Mm-hmm. As in, they don't ever get redeemed anywhere. Like, um, the girl, the mom character, the aunt has like sort of backstory that kind of like makes a bit more sympathetic. But other than that, there's very horrible people. Um, and there's a theory that Dursleys have always been so mean to Harry because he's a Horcrux, and a Horcrux isn't. Do you know what a Horcrux is in, in Harry Potter? Yeah, it's one of the. I know it's one of the things they have to destroy. Yeah, and I, well, there's only one of them that does this, but I think it's the necklace one. And um, the necklace, whenever someone has it on them, it makes them like angry and like not their usual self, and it makes them like hate their friends and hate everyone around them and kind of like act out irrationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's revealed in the last movie that Harry is a Horcrux, like he actually is one. That's not a theory. He is one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's implied that one of his is like his unfortunate, unfortunate like sy- symptoms of being a Horcrux that everyone around him becomes a bit like horrible and mean. <laughs> so it's implied that because of that, the Dursleys being with him since he's a baby became just horrible people in, gen- in general. Um, and the theory, I do think the theory does work. It's more of the fact that you take it, you take Harry into Hogwarts. He spends like every year there. And no one around him is like angry at him all the time at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of falls apart in that area. But well, you could say that it only affects uh, humans. Yeah. Yeah. Muggles. It could be like that. Yeah. But mm. yeah, yeah. I guess I could say that actually. Um, but yeah, I do like that idea a lot actually. Um, yeah, it's not a babble. And the other one that goes along with that is a very much simpler one, which is Harry Potter never came out the, the, the closet under the stairs and was just dreaming the entire thing. <laughs> I swear there are a lot of theories which are like, he died and he yeah. imagined it. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> because like, you could just start a movie and then he goes to, every every like blockbuster movie where someone goes to a different place and a different land that's magical, you could just say, oh, they were depressed and just made it up in the head and went crazy. <laughs> it like, it does work, I guess. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That's all I've got. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna continue the Marvel theme. Okay. I kind of have two in one here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that uh, I'm this, again. This is another theory that's proved wrong by a tiny detail. <laughs> yeah. And that is uh, Tony Stark's reoccurring injury. Uh, okay. I don't know this one. Um, oh. and it's that. 
So throughout the MCU, in various occasions, mm-hmm. Tony has a problem with his left arm. <laughs> Does he? So in it's most obviously in Civil War. Oh, yeah, he has to have in a brace a car lands on it. He complains yeah. earlier on in the film. Yeah, he does. He feels like he's having a problem with his left arm. Yeah. There's I, th- I can't remember if it's Iron Man One or Iron Man Two. He has to ha- he has an ice pack on his left shoulder. I think that's Iron Man One. After Iron the... Man One. Yeah, I think so. And um, in in he's in Homecoming when he <laughs> takes the suit away from Peter. Yeah. And he's sort of berating him. He clutches his left arm as if it hurts. <laughs> okay. So the theory is that based off that, it was a theory pre-end game. Mm-hmm. And it's that the pain that he feels in his left arm mm-hmm. is a repercussion of the snap. So like, it's travelling back through time. And yeah, <laughs> and, in, and hurting him. Okay. Which I mean... is ultimately proved wrong because... He uses his right arm. <laughs> uh, so it's one of them that's so close. Yeah, it's just so close. I that would be great. I would love it if that was like if it was a different arm at the end of the end game, and like you could just say, yeah, that does make sense, I guess. Because <laughs> like I yeah, I do like the idea that because I do think that Tony Stark and Rodan Jr. they have certain like ticks as like a human being when acting. I feel like I, I see whenever he's acting as Tony Stark, I feel like I could tell you what he's going to do in a scene. Yeah. Because he does similar things. Not similar as in like repetitive, but I mean like like ticks that we all have. Like we all scratch our head or whatever when we're nervous or something like that. Um, and I feel like one of, that's one of those like he just scratches his left arm as a tick and then everyone went, ah, oh, in the Infinity Call it. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. like that one. <laughs> yeah. I have a theory that I've, I don't know if this exists elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I've sort of come up with a theory about the snap as well. Oh, okay. And it's that, basically, my theory is yeah. that anyone who snaps the fingers or uses all six Infinity Stones mm-hmm. has me sort of the snap transcends time and affects their life before that. Okay. In some way. But obviously, one of the stones is the time stone. Yeah. And space and everything. Mm-hmm. And so the, the most obvious piece of this is that um, in Infinity War, yeah, why at the start, Tony tells Pepper he has a dream of a little girl called Morgan. Oh, he does, yeah. Being their daughter. Yeah. So my theory is that in, throughout Endgame, he, he repeatedly says that he's doing it to bring people back, but his priority is his daughter. Yeah. And that's the whole thing when he meets his dad. Yeah. And also, they keep Pepper alive as well because he protects Pepper through a lot of his character arc in some of his solo films is protecting Pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense. And also, also, rejoining <laughs> himself again, <laughs> there's a deleted scene of him in the soul world with. Oh, oh yeah. With, with Morgan. Mm-hmm. An older Morgan. So. As he's snapping his fingers, or as he's dying, mm-hmm. he would logically maybe be thinking of Morgan and Pepper. Yeah. Because they're the most important things to him. Yeah. Hence the earlier dream. Yeah. I, uh, I like that one a lot. <laughs> but also, 
what if he isn't the only one that was affected by it? Okay, okay. So, before the Hulk does it... Oh, yeah. He mentions that he it was like he was born to do it because of the gamma radiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the loosest one of the three. <laughs> well, what yeah. if, like, part of the gamma ra- radiation sort of a, stuck itself to him mm-hmm. because of his snap? Because he's already been affected by it, and then it sort of gets, like, attached to it, I guess. Yeah. The energy, the energy source going back in time. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And also, you could also say that he's less affected by it because it's not a crippling dose. I mean, yes. yeah, his arm's fucked. But it's not... <laughs> That is fucked, yeah. <laughs> Not as bad as some of the others. Yeah. I, I like that and a lot. And the third one... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the, the third part of it, the other person to snap the fingers is Thanos, and he does it twice. Yeah. So, what if that... What if... Because Tony had a vision of Morgan, because that's what matters to him most. Mm-hmm. What if the same thing happened to Thanos, and he yeah. got a vision of him doing it and succeeding... Because yeah. that's what matters to him most. Yeah. And that could be the origin of him saying, I am inevitable. Yeah. Oh. Because so, he's seen the vision. Yeah. So they've all been like affected by doing it their entire lives, essentially. Yeah. That would be very interesting, actually. I like that idea a lot. Came up on a, when I was lying in bed one night. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely bored. I would... Um... See ya. That's fine. That's like a solid 7 out of 10. You've done a good job there. Thank you. Because <laughs> like, I would never... Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's time travel. <laughs> that is time travel. That is energy sources. That is predicting the future. <laughs> that is a great thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, Do you have any any others? Yeah, I'm going to go for like a generic one I think like most people, most people know about. Um, it's again one of the other like, oh, they're dead. Um um, it's from Greece. You ever seen Greece? Oh yeah, I yeah. know where this is going. Um, yeah. So essentially, at the beginning of Greece, um, the musical movie that's very happy, go lucky. Um, <laughs> Sandy and John Travolta's character, I've forgotten the name off now, um, are like Speak they're on a the generic fifties jock name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're uh, the dan- they're not dancing, but they're playing something on the beats and um, having fun. And at some point, it goes into the water. Um, it's implied that she almost drowns, I think, and that I think John Travolta saves her. Um, but lit- and then later on in the movie, they mention in the song, in the song I think um, that Hamlet's drowned at the midpoint, where there's a line that he says she was like something about her drowning. There's something about her drowning. It's him on the song, isn't it? Yeah, de- it definitely is. Um, something about her drowning for sure. And it isn't. It's not going to be a metaphor. It's going to be like she was drowning. I saved her. We had a li- like a relationship going after that. Um, so there's it a lot of implications that she was at some point drowning. Um, and then at the end of the movie, there's something that just, I mean, it makes sense to it musical because like a lot of things happen that make no sense. Like everyone's mm-hmm. seeing the dancers. So obviously that could be implication that she is dead and dreaming this or almost dead and dreaming this. Um, and then at the end of the movie, I think this is the big like nail, nail in the coffin sort of like, this is definitely like weird. Um, <laughs> There's like the car that they're in goes into the air, starts flying towards the sky, into the clouds. Um, and then everyone looks at her like, oh, that's normal, and goodbye. See you there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, I think the end credits, like, it's like directed by whoever and produced by whoever, and that's over the top of clouds and like 
the entire movie ends with her in the clouds, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there's a lot, there's like a lot of evidence for that, actually. Um, I mean, it being a musical, for one, is implies that the world is not strictly realistic. Um, but yeah, again, there's a lot of there's a lot of views about how someone is dead. <laughs> so I feel like this is a very easy one to make, but I feel like this one has a bit of bit more like, oh, that that does make sense in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just feel like everyone in the movie in the movie is at some point dead. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah just, just, why not have them all dead? Yeah. Why not have it as purgatory? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Why not, man? I mean, Captain America in the first movie. You want that grenade? Maybe that killed him. Rest of it was a dream. Maybe it did. Yeah. You know. Iron know. Man comes out of the cave. Everybody yeah. <laughs> what about of Hulk when he got into gamma radiation? He just died. Exactly. <laughs> oh. What if? What if when? What if when? When Thor fell to Earth? Yeah. What if he died? He broke his spine. Because he was mortal. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, it does make sense. <laughs> Everyone dies. Uh huh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what we've got. Yeah. You could actually make a solid theory for, for the MCU. Mm-hmm. Because the, there are events for all three main Avengers where they died. Yeah. Because there's the cave, there's Captain America in the plane. Yeah, that's true. And there's Thor falling through the storm. Yeah. So you could, you could have a theory there. There's all situations, they're all like in situation at their origin story of like, we almost died, but when we're fine and we're going to change people. Um, but, you know, they could have just died. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Everyone's favourite franchise ruined. Yeah. Don't watch any, don't watch any movie past the first one because it doesn't matter. They're all gone. <laughs> hey, just watch the first 20 minutes of Iron Man. That's it. Yeah. He gets blown up, blown up in that that um, Afghanistan, <laughs> and that's mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You got another one? I do. Mm-hmm. This is sort of like a more of a low key one. Okay. I take it you've seen Elf. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> have you seen the film Misery? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, written by Stephen King. Okay. Uh, yeah. The book was. Mm-hmm. There he is. James Khan's elf character is the same one as his character from Misery. <laughs> the both writers. Yeah. Okay. So the theory goes, after having to kill Annie Wilkes in mm-hmm. self-defense, yeah. romance author Paul Sheldon yeah. has to take on a new name and become the children book publisher named Walter. Okay. He becomes miserable and have a has a deep mistrust of people. Makes sense. Makes potentially sense. stemming from when he was held captive by a supposed fan. Yeah, <laughs> that'll happen. He becomes miserable and selfish, which means that's how he ends up on the naughty list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a spectacular supernatural event to help him see the good in the world again. I mean, how great would it be if um, the Elf movie at some point says... Why are you so sad, James Khan? And then they just pass back and just play Misery of the Movie for two hours and then come back to Elf. Yeah, yeah just, just in the middle of in the middle of Elf, um, yeah. Elf asks him asks <laughs> him uh, why are you so sad? He just turns around and says, Because I I was held captive by a crazy woman and she smashed both my ankles to a bedpost. 
And then I killed her, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I killed her in revenge. Like, when, when he elf goes, you're on a naughty list, he'd be like, I don't really care. I've been through too much to care about this naughty list shit. <laughs> 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 uh, there we go. I really, I really like that one. <laughs> Good. There we go. Um, I've got another Marvel one. I feel like it's pretty really like kind of famous and everyone kind of knows it and it's been confirmed i think really um so marvel okay everyone all, like not everyone but almost every marvel movie has a stanley cameo yeah um, he pops up in even the raimi films and ben affleck's daredevil and then obviously in mcu and all the x-men and anything you can he's in <laughs> um and there's this theory going around and it has been confirmed since i think by guard galaxy volume two that Stanley is the Watcher. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the Watcher, if anyone doesn't know, is a character in Marvel Comics who, who his name is the Watcher, and all, all he does is just watch over the universe. Um, and it's implied, because he, obviously he's, he's in every single multi-dimension of Ben Affleck's Daredevil and X-Men and um, the MCU and Raimi Spider-Man. He's in all of them at some point. Yeah. He's in um, the Amazing Spider-Man, even. So he's in diff- two different Spider-Man, like, people, universes. So it's implied that he is a sort of overseer of the universe and kind of can just see everything and kind of, like, go into it. And, um, Watch everything. Yeah. And um, so, and that's been confirmed kind of since then that that's true because in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, when Rocket and Yondu are kind of like hyperspace skipping throughout the universe, they go past a little planet and Stanley is there doing his usual cameo. But this time he is with the the Watcher characters that are usually in the comics we haven't seen yet in live action. And he's there telling a story about this time with a postman, which I think would be a reference to Fantastic Four, maybe, um, where he's a postman in that movie, I guess, maybe. Um, it could have been, um, could have been Civil War. Oh yeah, could be yeah. That, okay, that, that makes more sense. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Could it? Had Civil War happened? Why? Uh, yeah, it did. Like I think yeah, previous did. year. Yeah. God. Oh no, wait, it didn't. Because um, Guardian Galaxy, Guardian Galaxy Volume Two takes place a month or two. Yes, it after, does. Yes. After the first movie. So it had so, to be Fantastic Four. Yeah, that is weird. Okay. Some yeah okay okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, so yeah, it implies that essentially he is an actual space being who can just go into different dimensions and say hello to Tobey Maguire or say hello to Tom Holland, essentially. Um, which is, I really like this idea, and I think it's obviously it's not. I don't think it was ever intended. Like I don't think when he filmed his first cameo, cameo he thought, "Oh, I'm the Watcher." <laughs> um, but it's just one of those really cool ones that I think does work, and it is kind of confirmed from that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, how do you think they're going to do cameos from now on? Because um, he's not around anymore. We can't. Oh, yeah, sadly passed away. Um, yeah. Do you think they're going to like have a picture of him in, 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 in like one scene per movie? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they didn't they didn't do one for Far From Home, did they? No, I don't think they. Did. Oh no, they didn't, did they? Uh, uh, they could do a picture. Yeah, because I think for Daredevil. The TV show, I think every season had him in the background as a pitcher. I think that's oh, what okay. they did for that. So I think from now on they could do that, yeah. Um, yeah, they could do that. I think that's probably the most respectful way to do it because you don't want to CGI him in, really, do you? 
Not really, no. Feels <laughs> a bit tacky to, uh, a bit disrespectful. Yeah, I don't really want to have like a, a talking Rogue One situation. No, we don't. Bringing back dead, dead, dead actors and people with CGI. But just as like nostalgia's sake, I don't really think that's, I don't really think we need that at the moment. <laughs> no, just yeah. maybe some little reference to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be enough. <laughs> yeah. What have you got? Um, I don't have much left. Same. I'm kind of running out. At least written down. Mm. Um, I have one that's a really just a silly one, a stupid one. Yeah. <laughs> that is that Kevin McAllister from Home Alone is John Thingy Kramer, who is Jigsaw. I have this written down too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty famous one, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it goes that he he had to develop a taste for torturing people as he was mm-hmm. left alone as an eight-year-old. Yeah, hold on to Jigsaw and so <laughs> at, at some point he changed his name to Kramer or whatever the Jigsaw's real name is. Yeah. And that there from there on he starts torturing people. Of course, why wouldn't you? Um I mean, of course it doesn't line up. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because um Kevin McAllister's eight years old in the eighties. Yeah. Jigsaw is fifty in his fifties by the time the two thousands roll around. Right. Yeah. Okay. I feel like um, this one's a. It's one of those fun ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but nothing more really. Yeah. <laughs> because Kevin McAllister is an insane man, isn't he? Insane boy. Um, Sorry. And Kevin McAllister is like an insane, an insane person, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Because he's a bit lunatic. Yeah, like, instead of calling the police or anything when people are going to rob him, he goes, oh, I'll just torture them with nails and fire. <laughs> and then he goes to New York and does it again. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> I'm going to hit them with bricks. Yeah. It, it's like, just leave them alone at this point. <laughs> oh, no sense in mercy. Yeah. Keep then he goes crazy. Yeah, too far, too far, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you have any, any others? Uh, I have another kind of famous one, and I think this one has a lot of evidence behind it, but I, I'm not sure it was meant to be implied at all. Um, Suicide Squad came out in 2016. Okay. I hate this movie, but I really... Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I really like this theory of um, the Joker, and that he's not actually the Joker. Um, okay. There's a theory that Joker in that movie, by, played by Jared Leto, is actually Robin. Um, oh. So, yeah. So in the oh, comic, I've heard this. Oh really? Okay. I thought it was kind of famous. Um. So yeah. So in the comics, it was the big story about how the second Robin, Jason Todd, was at some point um, taken hostage by Joker and like abused for like months and like maybe a year by like crowbar and just torture and like psychological torture by the Joker to the point where at some point Robin, after realizing that Batman's moved on and gotten a new Robin and kind of just assume that he um just top was dead um he just went crazy with it and wanted to kill the joker and find him um and he became a different character called the red hood and yeah, it was isn't there, there's several versions isn't there yeah yeah um, there's, um and there's one i'm pretty sure there's the comic run where he, he dies mm-hmm, yeah supposedly dies yeah but then there's an animated version isn't there, where he becomes like a little Joker. Yeah, um, and then think, he kills the Joker. He shoots him with a gun. Yeah, they change. Yeah, they change the story a bit in different iterations. Um, 
But the comic book one, that's kind of the base ground for this theory, I guess, is... Well, actually, I guess it's not. But um, the comic book one is essentially he becomes Red Hood, he becomes very vengeful, and he doesn't have any no-kill no rules, so he kills everyone he meets, essentially. And he's after Batman and Joker, he wants to kill both of them because they're such terrible people to him. Um, but yeah, in the animated series, it changes a bit to him being tortured to the point of becoming like a mini Joker and mm-hmm. like a mind control Joker. And and I think I think he does kill the Joker anyway because he has like a sort of Robin sort of comes out of the Joker and that in the, the mini Joker kind of. Um, but as implied, kind of with the new the Joker Jared Leto Joker that he was Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Robin that got tortured Jason Todd because in 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 the comics and in even the cartoon um he's tortured by like a lot of physical abuse and psychological abuse and the joker in Jared Leto's case has a lot of uh, supposed injuries but also most obviously his teeth that are grilled which implies that his teeth have been knocked out by something which implies that he's been beaten up by maybe the joker the actual joker in that universe yeah uh, and also he clearly you know as ever hates batman <laughs> um and he has a tattoo in his arm of bird wing, like an actual like an actual like Robin bird wing, which implies okay. which I think if it's not meant to be Robin, it's meant to imply that he at some point has killed or harmed Robin and really been proud of it and tattooed it on himself. Um, <clears throat> but also in Batman Superman they do imply that Robin was um some maybe killed or maybe harmed in a sense that Batman has no Robin at this point, but there's Robin's statue in his Batcave, and on it has graffiti that says, ha-ha, the joke's on you, Batman, um, mm. implying that the Joker somehow got in and t- did this to torture Bruce Wayne about the death of Jason Todd or the torture of him. Um, and I, I think it's a really... I would I would like this theory if it was true. Um, just because I think... I'm not... Okay, just be completely honest, I don't really like the interpretation of Joker in Suicide Squad. I think Charlotte no. does a can't he's a fine job. I think he's he's fine. Um but that movie <laughs> that movie is so edited down to his bones and like just so weirdly put together and Joker in that movie has no reason to be there at all. No he, he and, and I think he's all I think if he's in a story where he was meant to be there and he's part of the story in an in an intrinsic way, I think mm-hmm. it could have went better. And even Darlotto himself and David Ayer said there's a lot of footage of this this, this uh, version of Joker that hasn't been seen and that we just couldn't put in because the studio was wanting a fun uh, Hollywood blockbuster with little to no darkness that was filmed originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could have been very much implied more so in that darker original cut that this guy was Robin turned Joker. Um, but yeah, I do really like this version, like this idea at least a lot. Yeah, yeah good. I think it sort of it adds some, something to a character that is pretty shit yeah. in that film. Yeah, I was going to like the one nice fire, but like he is pretty shit in that film. <laughs> um, there's this point in that film that I've, I've caught a lot to my friends, like just making fun out of it, where like, oh, even like um, Joaquin Phoenix and um, Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson to a certain extent, they have this like this this implied nature that they're more of like an, an idea than an actual person. Um, the idea of chaos and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point, Charlotte looks at Harley Quinn and says like some really edgy line about how he's not really a person, more of an idea. <laughs> and um, it comes off very like in-your-face edgy t- 
teenage <laughs> emo person. It, it's very, it's just, it doesn't feel to me like the Joker in any sense of the word. Uh, and I just, yeah, I don't like that performance. And I don't really like that movie at all. Um, but I think this, this kind of adds to it, at least in some way to me. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Joker theory. Joker theory. Got them all. I think I might have added something to it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to give that. I'm going to give it a solid seven. Yeah, same. So one little seven. Fun one, but like doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think I have one more. Okay. Uh, it's sort of a a mismatch one. It's a bit random. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a a suggestion than a theory. Yeah. It comes from a, a YouTube channel called Shatana Studios. Okay, I've heard of this book. Um, it's about Back to the Future. <laughs> okay. And it's a theory that, that, that... There is a more famous theory that Doc Brown tries to kill himself. And accidentally <laughs> creates a time machine. Yeah, I had that one written down. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll let you explore that in a minute. Okay. Well, this one is that um, there is um, a second Marty McFly. A second one? Okay. So that if he goes to the past, mm-hmm. accidentally improves his future, I think improves the lives of his parents. Yeah, it does that, yeah. The and first... he comes back to the, the present, Yeah. and everything's changed. Mm-hmm. So this theory suggests... There is another Marty that did live the life of his improved parents. Okay. If that makes sense. So do you mean like there's one universe where he lived the terrible life and one where he lived the good life? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. So, but but sort of Marty, our, our Marty, Marty A, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> returns to um, 1985. Mm-hmm. And finds improved life for him, waiting for him, basically. Yep. He has no memory of the improved life. Yeah. He only has a memory of his life. Yeah. But his parents recognised him. Mm-hmm. So therefore, A. Marty, Marty B... <laughs> Must have lived that life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, where is Marty B? Huh. This theory suggests that Doc Brown abducts him. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> Get rid of him. Yeah. So, an old paradox will happen. Mm-hmm. That is... I love this theory, actually. <laughs> because we know that he opens the letter that Marty gives him. Yeah forsaking his rule about not being able to change it and he changed it to benefit himself yeah so surely he must be aware mm. that he has to do that yeah um and in the sequels when they go for the time to meet to meet um i think what are they doing oh yeah the sports almanac and uh, the sun's doing something but um they do meet them themselves when they're older um mm. So young Marty, I think, I don't think he, he meets older him, but he's he's living. Older Marty is there at the same time that younger Marty is there. Yeah. And um, Marty's wife 
is also there in all in like the older version and the young version and then they two at some point meet and then pass out because of the shock of seeing yourself but you know 20 years older. um so that does kind of set into the rules of back the future that wherever, wherever you go you do exist already but yeah yeah but you can like walk around in there just don't knock into yourself <laughs> um basically so that would imply that if you make a better universe for yourself by changing the past, that someone, a Marty, Marty B, <laughs> lived mm-hmm. life, and then when you go back there, you're interrupting that version of Marty by becoming, by going there yourself. Yes. So and when also, he, sorry, yeah. So when he, I was gonna say as a joke that when he wakes up, he would have woke up in bed with the other Marty. <laughs> you're like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also when he goes to the future mm-hmm. and he sees his future self, yeah, is that future Marty A or is that future Marty B? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's t- <laughs> I think I think the dad. I think yeah, cause I think the dad, um, um, George McFly. I think he comes through in the future. Yeah, uh, when he's much much older. I, I think they do say something about him writing a book, which is what the better version Mart, um, oh, okay. did. So I guess that would be Marty, good, good, good universe, Marty. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, also, another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Marty return, when a Marty A returns to his new life, mm-hmm. there's a truck in the garage. Yeah. That he mentions earlier. Mm-hmm. The fact that that's the truck that he wanted mm-hmm. is such a slim chance of happening. <laughs> they must have had interference, which means Doc Brown must have done something. Yeah. But he can't have directly got involved with their lives. So yeah. what if Doc Brown had to manipulate their lives <laughs> in order to make room for Marty? So to stop them from having the first my no hang on <laughs> so i am, yeah, I am. They, they can't stop you can't stop them from having from not having marty to make room for marty a yeah because it is established in the first film that <laughs> if somebody isn't born that kills them because of the photograph yeah that's true and also and also, even if you didn't stop them from having Marty, whatever Marty it is, <laughs> and then new new time traveling Marty came in, surely that would mean that. Hang on, no, wait. So no, hang on. So if they had, <laughs> if they had that Marty, they would know about his life and how him from year day one to day whatever when he's eighteen years old, and then when new time traveling Marty comes into picture. Yeah. And he has no memory of anything that's happened for the past 18 years. Mm-hmm. Surely that will, like, freak them out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Because you would have completely, completely new memories, wouldn't he? Because the yeah. life is different. It's... Yeah. And also... Yeah. So, he changes the life of his parents, mm-hmm. which therefore changes what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're being really specific <laughs> and using the logic of a different time travel film... <laughs> that therefore means that he ever so slightly adjusts his own genes. Because <laughs> logically, it's like I think it's something like a different sperm hits a different egg. Yeah. 
therefore meaning that Marty McFly actually will look different. Yeah. Marty B wouldn't yeah. look like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So Marty so... A would return to their lives, <laughs> look slightly different from a child they've known, while also looking exactly like Calvin Klein, who helped them get together all those years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, that's also another problem, isn't it? That he he fixed their lives in the past and became friends with George and his mother. But then 20, not even 20 years later, like, hang on. Yeah, 20 years later, they have a child that looks exactly exactly like this guy, Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I like the idea that the way that they fixed that was um, Doc Brown went back in time to 1955 after McFly helped them out with their future. And did that did that memory wipe thing that he uses in Back Future Part Two, the very beginning. Can remember oh, that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So he might have went Doc Brown to fix this. Might have went back in time to just after Michael J. Fox left and yeah. went to nine eighty five and said and gave him the mind wipe machine thing and wiped well, out. Well, if he does that, yeah, then they don't remember any of the events. They don't fall in love again. <laughs> so that puts them right back at square one. So that therefore means they go back to having the poor life. Oh my god, yeah. So, <laughs> oh no. So no matter how we put this, they're all fucked. <laughs> and then Some... there's two sequels. <laughs> oh wow. So, oh my god, that's amazing. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's my last one. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave people with that one. Yeah, there's mathematics and time travel. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> right. So, I guess my next one is is I guess yeah. Um, for Ragnarok. Um, okay. I think this one is definitely meant to be true, and I think they actually have confirmed it since this. Um. The Valkyrie character, uh, who is a part of this league of women fighters in Asgard, mm-hmm. the Valkyries, um, and there's a flashback to when all of them get killed by Hela, yeah. and um, is I think I definitely think this is true. I think it's implied that one of the girls in this team was one of, was a girlfriend of hers. Yeah, so it's implied that Valkyrie's lesbian um, or bisexual. Um, so I do think. Yeah, because I think one of them dies in front of her and just she seems like weird, like a lot, like really upset about it. Yeah. And that was like the last one. Yeah. I sort of assumed that as well. Yeah, I think Watching. that was, yeah, I think that's implied. And also, I don't think she really takes an interest in four as a, as a, like a relationship at all. No. Um, oh, I mean, that's definitely um, put forward in Endgame at the end where um, they don't at all. Because I think it's a deleted scene. Oh, no, it was a deleted scene, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Deleted scene where before, after handing off the, the throne to uh, Valkyrie of Asgard, he tries to like have a kiss with her and she goes, No way. Which it once again implies that she is not, um, doesn't, doesn't like the male, <laughs> male people. Mm. Uh, and isn't yeah. there something she, she said that uh, Tessa Thompson said at Comic Con, didn't she, when they, yeah, when they led the cast out for Love and Thunder, she says something like, um, they, she uh, Valkyrie needs to find a queen or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's definitely confirmed now. Um, mm-hmm. 
that's just that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I really like that because um, yeah, because I don't think we've ever seen. I don't think there is a, a bisexual or lesbian or gay character yet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, we haven't. I think, so I think that's the first one, and her being the Queen of Asgard is a pretty good starting point. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, promising path forward. Yeah, be fun. Uh, that's all I've got. That's all you got? Yeah, I think so. We're both done. Yeah. Well then. Damn. There we go. There we go. So we're doing the outro now? <laughs> yeah, we'll do the outro. Uh, that's, uh, we, we, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our mm. list of crazy theories. Yeah. Some are wrong, some are right. Maybe some are right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe they're just weird in the middle. Yeah. I think the message, message of this episode is the idea that in every movie you watch, at some point, the main character does die. And <laughs> dreams happen and all this. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody dies. That's what we're taking away from this. Um, yeah. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, by the way. Marvel Cinema yes. Podcast. And our Twitter, and Twitter. Same, same name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we po- well, right now we're posting MCU reviews. So we're going through each MCU movie and giving our, our star ratings, either like 4 out of 10, 5 out of 10 sort of thing. Um, and below that, we've got an actual like written out review in case anyone's interested in that. We do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, we started yesterday. Um, I was also going to say something else. If you're listening on iTunes, why don't give us a review? Oh yeah, that'd be nice. Um, give us a follow if you enjoy and you want to hear more. Mm-hmm. I have been your co-host Matthew, and I've been your other co-host Henry. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>